We're finishing up a sermon series this morning as we've gone through the book of Proverbs together, reading a, a chapter each week. And I will confess to you, this has been, it may, be a bit, may have been a difficult series for you to hear, uh, but it's been a difficult series to preach because it's hard to preach through a chapter. There aren't stories to preach through or a theology. It's just subject after subject after subject. Each chapter is just stuttering through. It's just staggered through all these different themes so it's been difficult to preach it reminds me of a, of a story that my father-in-law taught me about the number one bible salesman in in the country happened to also be someone who struggled with stuttering he would go door to door ring the doorbell people would come and this is how he made his millions he would simply say to them do you do you want do you, do you want to but but do you want to buy, buy, buy a Bible? Do you, do you want to buy a Bible, or do you, do you, want, do you want me to read it all to you? <laughs> Millionaire. And that's what Proverbs does. It stutters. It's, it's, it's theme after theme after theme. You know, it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. So I, I, know, I know it's sometimes a hard book to get our head around. It's a hard book to read a whole chapter, and you say, wait, where did I just read? There was so much there we've tried to look at the theme so that you and i will live lives filled with wisdom if you remember chapter one that's skill that has to be coupled with instruction skill coupled with discipline so not only do i have this skill but then i've got to discipline that and apply that to life and so much of proverbs is applying it so i can avoid sin or so that i can have a life that flourishes with god and to make sure we get that, the writers of Proverbs, and there's several, these last couple of chapters are written by people other than Solomon, to make sure that we get that, there's some very striking imagery that is used. Not only do they employ everything they can from short stories, poetry, to, to comparisons, everything they can do, but they also use striking imagery so that you and I will not forget these lessons. One particular husband learned an important lesson. He had woken up and his wife had left him breakfast before she went off to work, but he didn't, he didn't pretty much care for that breakfast. And so he left her a post-it note on the oven for her to receive when she got back from work about how he liked his eggs to be done. Well, when he got home from work later that evening after her, what do you think he got? 100 post-it notes were placed all throughout the house telling him what she loved about him. He learned two things that day. Number one, don't mess with your wife. <laughs> but number two, it was a very striking lesson. You think he ever forgot? How dare I complain? I am so blessed to have someone who loves me in so many ways. He probably thought about those post-it notes forever. When you hear about a bear robbed of her cubs, or you hear about when you and I are not faithful with money, we can become slaves to a lender, these are images that, that, that open our eyes and our hearts to what God wants us to make sure to hold on to. And the last thing, we have seen a lot of contrasts Fools live like this, the wise should live like this. And we're going we're gonna to close with that. So those are some of the, the themes that we've looked at. Uh, especially this morning, we're going to be in chapter 30 for most of our time this morning as we prepare for Holy Communion. We've talked some 
about uh, the abuse of God's gift of sexuality. But here in 30, we see again another picture of an adulteress. But it's interesting, the picture given to us here. Not only, not only is there misuse of this gift, but look at what it says in verse 20. She takes or she eats, which is so like sin, to be self-absorbed, to be all about me, to, from chapter 3 in Genesis, the beginning of sin, to grasp and to take. If the focus of any relationship that we have is about us, that relationship's in trouble. If my marriage is all about me, if my work relationship is whatever I can get out of it and squeeze from it, um, my church is all about me. My church is in trouble. And, 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 and worse than that, and this is where our culture will fight us, if my kids exist for me, they're going to be in trouble. If I'm trying to squeeze and take from them instead of pouring into them and giving to them, we live in a culture that eats, that takes. So that's what you see here in, with this adulterous uh, person. You, you all, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, you all have a person in your life who constantly takes, right? You all have a friend or a coworker that never let you bring up a conversation you want to talk about. It's always about them. They never defer, but they're always taking and squeezing from you. By the way, you've heard me say this before. If you don't, that means you're that person to somebody else, right? But we live in a world of consumerism. We live in a world of just give me. It could be a temptation for all of us. But not only do you see that in her life, what else does it say there in chapter 30? She takes, she eats, and then she says, I haven't done anything wrong. She's blind to the sin that's in her life. From our readings earlier this week, Proverbs 28, 6, he who trusts his heart is a fool. We can, I don't sense sin. I don't sense a problem. It's a reminder from the Proverbs that we want to walk right in the Lord. We need God's words to show us sin, to show us where we've stumbled, because even our hearts can deceive us. She's done something egregious as this, and yet she can say, I haven't done anything. Later in chapter 30, you'll see two lists. One list is talking about, or really both lists, about who is wise, 24 through 28. The first list, he can't even mention people. He just has to mention animals. And then when he gets to the second list, he throws in one king. That's all you get. Why? Because we stumble. Because we struggle. It's a reminder again of our great need for this sacrament tomorrow. We all can struggle. We talked about this book is also written for those people on the edge of sin. We talked about almost that they're naive of sin but about to step into it. And we looked at a, if you remember the old Bob Newhart show, I shared that the first week together. This is my brother Daryl and my other brother Daryl. That comes up in this chapter, chapter 30, when he talks again about leeches. That may be a sermon series someday, leeches in your life. Leeches, the leech has two daughters. What are their names, verse 15? Give, or give me, and what's the other one's name? Give me, it's Daryl and Daryl, it's give and it's give, according to verse 15. That can be a, a real struggle. Give me, give me. What does he say here about our verses today? Don't give me, don't overfeed me, Lord. Just give me my portion, because I know what's going to happen to me. If, if, what could happen to my heart? If I get too much, I might turn my back on you. Just give me my portion. We're talking about next Sunday how the Lord is, is moving in the Muslim community and, and speaking to Muslims and drawing them to Christ, turning them to the Lord. 
Uh, did you know the gospel really is exploding in Africa? It's great to see what the Lord's doing through our church in Africa and also South America. I had a seminary professor say, so many people say, well, the reason the gospel is exploding there and not in the U.S. and not in, uh, in Europe is because those folks have nothing. I mean, they're just desperate for the Lord. And I like what my seminary professor said. They're not turning to the Lord because they don't have anything. They don't have anything to get in the way of turning to the Lord. Sometimes with affluence, and that's, that's what this Proverbs writer says in 30. Lord, don't give me too much because that may make me begin to trust in me and think about me and turn from you. And then in 16 through 17, there are four things that say they're not enough. I wish I had time to go through that this morning. It, it, we can be in a culture that says give. We can be in a culture that says take and can't see our sin. But we come to this table every time and we say, Lord, you have given all. And we know we come this morning just as takers to receive. But as we leave this table, help me to be a giver. Help me to be someone who is not set on myself but turned out to be a blessing to others. Help me to see my sin as I come to this table, as Ben helped us pray this morning, and turn from that sin for you. There's two other themes I want us to look at this morning, uh, just as we've read through three or four extra chapters. One is from 31, wisdom and wives. There's a beautiful picture given here in chapter 31. Y'all are very familiar with that. And this, this is superwoman. She does everything. You read this, and this is not just a word for wives. This is a word, a word for husbands. It's a word for students and children. But look at all she does. Just looking through 31, you know this passage. She works with her hands. She brings food. She's an early riser. She's a businesswoman. She's physically strong. She's compassionate on the poor. She makes clothes. I don't know that Superwoman made her own costume. She makes her own clothes. She has hope. She has wisdom. She's kind. She's never idle. We've talked a lot about that in Proverbs. She's living out this whole book. Who is your hero? Who is your model for a mom or a wife uh, through TV when you were growing up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? My generation, who was it? Carolyn Ingalls, right? Little House on the Prairie. Carolyn's got nothing on Proverbs 31. It's unbelievable. All the, thing, all the things we've talked about, how you treat your family, how you treat the poor, no idleness in your life, words that glorify. And I love this other reminder. She has hope for the future. One commentary would say she smiles. Is a better way to read that. She smiles at the future. I've told you this before, but when I was at Batesville doing student ministry, I thought it was a throwaway lesson. I thought you just, I need to do something about anxiety. God's word says 365 times do not fear. I ought to talk about it. Don't have anxiety. I did this throwaway lesson. And not only did the line go through the youth room, but the line of girls that wanted to talk to me took a turn and went down the hallway. One of my favorite students of all time says, Barry, that night said, Barry, I can't stop worrying. It paralyzes my life. Look, we're all faced with worry. We're all faced with what's going to happen tomorrow. That's, that's just, it, and that's why God's word rings so true. He says it 365 times because he knows we wrestle with it. But this woman looks at the future because of her trust in God, and even with all that, struggles that we have, she smiles at the future. She trusts the Lord. And there's also that word that we need to hear in three. 3030. 
Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Y'all, it's right that we take care of ourselves. That's part of our stewardship to God. He's given us this gift. As Paul reminds us that, that houses the Holy Spirit. But you see that the emphasis here is not on that. Be presentable, sure. Take care of yourself, sure. But it's on the heart and it's on character. Sarah and I were talking yesterday about a movie that we watched, I think when we were dating, called Lean On Me. It's about a principal who comes into a terrible school and tries to bring it back. And in doing so, he kind of makes some people mad, which is sometimes what you got to do to get things right. And they were, the school board was going to fire him. They promised the students, we're going to get you a good principal. You don't want Mr. Clark. We're going to get you a good principal. And one of the students said back to the board, we don't want a good principal. We want Mr. Clark. Actually, he was a great principal. But the point being, we look at this world, and they offer us something good. You want to be respected. You want to be noticed. Glorify the body. The character that this woman has in her life, the character we're all to have in our life, is much more hard won than physical activity or, or, or charm. The holiness that's in her life, to not be idle, to, be, to bless her family, to work hard, all of this is hard won because she wants to be beautiful here. What does Jesus look like? Give me one scripture that talks about the physical uh, out, outward appearance of Jesus. We know he's a man of sorrow, but what, is, what does it say about his outside? Nothing. But you and I still sing the words, don't we? Jesus, you are beautiful. Your face is all I see. Why? Because he's beautiful of character. He's beautiful of heart. He's beautiful of life. He's beautiful of compassion. Here we see the beauty of God put on display. And we won't have time this morning, but go back to 29, and there's a reminder here for us as well. That contrast we see throughout Proverbs. There is God's ways, and then there's the world's ways. And this, this word reminds us it's a subtle battle. It's a struggle, and so it speaks in very vivid and stark terms that you can slip into being foolish, but there is supposed to be, as Donna beautifully prayed for us this morning, there's to be a light to your life that has nothing to do with that darkness. As we look at our lives this week, has that contrast been sharp enough? As I look at my life this week, has that anxiety gripped me? Or can I still smile at the future no matter what I'm going through? As I, look at, as I look at my life this week, how is it that I need to respond to this, his word for us? And we know that God has already responded to us in Christ. Who knows the name of his son? Our scripture said for us today, his name is Jesus. And so we gather today at his table to remember that on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray together. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, 
and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.